Welcome to the Better Than Healthy podcast, where I help you go beyond the numbers and rules you were taught about health to create the results that you really want, feeling better, consistently taking care of yourself and loving yourself more. I'm your host, Ashley Braffman. Let's dive in. Hello, hello. I hope you're doing well. I am pretty tired this week. Not gonna lie. I think it's this like weird rainy ice mix that we're getting. I probably should have known better. I was very hopeful that we had spring in Michigan, but I should have known better that it wouldn't be a real spring in February. And yeah, I'm feeling tired, but I still just have a topic that I want to talk about today with you all. And it's one that I'm happy to be very real with all of you about, because I think we can talk in intuitive eating about the selling points of intuitive eating, meaning being able to eat whatever you want, being able to actually trust your body and trust yourself around food, having food not be stressful, being just really developing this peaceful relationship with food where you physically and mentally feel so much better because you eat when you're hungry, you're stopping when you still feel satisfied and also paying attention to the physical satisfaction, paying more attention to your emotions, actually loving and appreciating your body more, taking better care of yourself just because you're motivated to do that because of the loving relationship that you have with yourself versus that side of it that was so filled with shame. And we can talk about that really good sign of it, but I want to also talk about the side that's a lot more difficult because the same with every other area of life, intuitive eating is 50-50, meaning there are parts of it that feel good and there are parts of it that don't really feel good. And I think one of the parts that stands out to me as being that more difficult, harder side of intuitive eating is you're going against the grain with it. It truly is unavoidable. It's like the truth that you're going to go against the grain because at least at this point in time, hopefully one day in the future, it won't be this way. But even though intuitive eating is really just a normal way of eating, it's a much less complicated way than we've made it. It's not viewed that way in our culture and in our society. So we're constantly, if you practice intuitive eating, you're going to butt up against a lot of beliefs that are telling you that this way of eating is not the right way. That dieting, that watching what you're eating, that watching your weight, all those things are the right way. And this was kind of at the forefront of my mind this weekend. And I was just thinking about all the different people I've had conversations with who really have trouble letting go of the focus on weight because we're told so much that like weight is associated in different ways, like meaning, health, and attractiveness. Those are the two big areas where it comes as a concern for people. It is one of them people worrying about them judging their body because, you know, they want to see them beautiful or as attractive and they view thin body as the one that is attractive in the right body and view as non-thin body as the wrong body. And that can be I mean, it's a cultural message that we've been fed. Just has been from magazines, social media, all these different things. And so we're exposed to that still. And then there's also the messages around obesity being a disease and being this really big health thing. And, you know, the leading cause of death of complications of obesity and all these different messages there that tell you that weight is going to really impact your health. And then the other area is the viewing of weight as being fully in our control and 
just by modifiable lifestyle factors, ignoring the influence of genetics or hormones, all these different other things that could influence it as well. It's very much viewed as a lifestyle modifiable thing. So some people also fear being viewed as lazy or not taking care of themselves if because of the view on weight. And all these things, and they definitely exist. I mean, there's definitely a lot of fat biases that people have experienced in different judgments because of the different messages that we've been taught with it. So when it comes to intuitive eating, there can be a lot of fear around all those different messages that we had heard. And it's a lot easier to believe the same thing that everybody else believes. Because when you believe the same thing that everybody around you believes, then your beliefs are being confirmed. And our brains like that. Like we like to feel right and good, which if everyone around us is confirming our own beliefs, or even if it's something that doesn't make us feel good, if like the belief is being confirmed around us, it doesn't cause the dissonance in our mind of maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. It's just like, yeah, I'm right. Like everyone agrees. I'm right. We're all right. And it's just confirming our own beliefs, which is why I'm sure you've heard in like we're the sum of the five people we spend the most time with because together, collectively, we confirm each other's beliefs. And that's when our beliefs really form who we are. So what that comes to with intuitive eating is a lot of the discomfort comes from the willingness to feel the discomfort of not believing what everybody around you believes. Because there will for sure be moments where you're like, is, is my right? Is it working? Like, can I actually eat this way? Because there's so many much messaging around you that will tell you that you can't and that it doesn't work. And it takes centering yourself and really reflecting on what do you know is true for you and the experience that you've lived. Because I know for me, when I was dieting and trying to watch what I eat and thinking about food that way, I was thinking about food all the time. I was eating more than I wanted to and eating way, feeling really uncomfortable around food, give myself heartburn a lot, honestly, and just not feeling good. And when I am trusting myself and eating intuitively, I feel a lot more ease and peace around food. I'm not hyper-focused on food. I am just eating in a way that really helps my body feel good. And I know that that works for me. And I just kind of have to center back in that sometimes when you're going to hear a lot of messaging about how it doesn't work. Because really what it is, is like a cognitive dissonance, which I'm struggling to think of a good example right now. Um, But just if you've ever experienced something where you really believe something one way, and then you started to question it and see things differently, and it just like felt like this weird battle in your mind of like, that it just feels really uncomfortable to question something that you believe. Because brains just don't want to be wrong. They just want to be right. So when they're Face with being wrong. It's why it's so difficult for people to change or say things differently is because it's much better, feels better to just have your beliefs confirmed than it is to question them. Another piece of advice I want to give is when you have something, whether it's around weight or whether it's around a food thing, when something pops up that is like an old belief from when you were dieting and pops up again, like how people be like, oh, I was doing so well. And then like this thing changed. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll lose weight. And it's like, wait, I haven't been focusing on weight for so long. Then that kind of spirals of like, what am I doing wrong that that even popped up in my head again? Like, why am I even thinking about this? And when I work with people through this, it's getting to an acknowledgement of when you've done something one way a long time, it's just a habit and it just pops up naturally. And 
not that something has gone wrong there because that thoughts back up. It's just the quick and easy thing for our brain to go to because thoughts are really habits. And so something like that can like trigger that thought to come back up. And it's just because it's practiced because whatever we practice the most is what will come most easily. And that can be over the course of years, or that can just be the repeated choosing to practice, like not thinking about that anymore. But then sometimes it'll pop up and it's just kind of, if you can laugh and be like, oh yeah, of course, like I just saw this so long. Like viewing it as nothing has gone wrong will not make it stick. Because what I see other people do is like, if they view it as being wrong, then when that pops up, they're like, oh no, what am I doing wrong? And then they start to hyper-focus on that and think that it's a problem. And then they make it into a bigger problem for themselves by dwelling on it and spinning on it and really creating that as a problem for them. Another thing I want to suggest is sometimes you just got to allow it to feel hard. Like we do want things a lot of times to feel easy and to feel good, but something that's new and unfamiliar is not always going to feel easy and good. It takes time and practice and our brains just like predictable things. So when we're in the same pattern, even if it's one that doesn't lead us to feeling very good and negatively impacts us, if it's predictable, our brain's going to be drawn towards that as feeling easier than something that we've never done before. But the more we're willing to practice the way we actually want to do it, that becomes what's predictable and easy for us. So sometimes it's allowing it to not feel good and allowing it to be hard and just being like acknowledging that and sitting with that. Because when we're fighting against that and shoving it under the rug, it just kind of piles up on us. And part of this, we're allowing it to be hard is like allowing those uncomfortable moments of processing disappointment, sadness, anger, any other things you may be feeling towards yourself that we don't always take time to acknowledge because it doesn't really feel good. But I know from my own journey and out with working with other people that when moving away from dieting and wellness culture and really being ingrained with that is... There can be anger at doing that to yourself for so long. There can be anger at other people, anger at yourself, anger at culture. It can be also feeling really sad that you did that to yourself and sad that that is the messaging or it could be a grieving process of like letting go of this like ideal dream that you thought you could achieve because a lot of people have this idea of like, oh, when I'm thin, I'll just be happy all the time. And then learning that that's not the case can take a little bit of a grieving process. And don't try to rush through that. Allow yourself to feel that. Allow yourself to be in that because if you don't take time for that, and again, with like the shoving it under the rug, is that emotion can pile up and interfere with you moving forward with it. Because sometimes when we're that upset with ourselves for doing it, then we continue to recreate it just in a different way and kind of self-sabotage with it or like interfere with our own progress because we have that kind of as like an anchor behind us that we haven't just taken the time to release and let go. And I think it's especially difficult when it comes to the weight part of intuitive eating and of not having that be a concern and of accepting bodies at all sizes is a lot of the health information that we've heard around weight. So I'm going to put a couple studies in the show notes. It's only a few just because it'd be easy to overwhelm the show notes with just research studies. So I'm just going to select a few and can always provide more. If you're interested in looking at them, I just want to provide them as references to, because I think that's another thing that intuitive eating gets a lot is that it's not research and evidence-based when it really truly is. Like there may be less studies around it just because it's not as popular as 
selling some weight loss medications and there's not as much money to be made in it. So it's not because it's just telling people to just buy regular food and eat it and not buy all these specialty products. That first point that I wanted to address around research is the amount of risks that are associated with obesity because it can be talked about through media, through just general conversation is we've taken the correlation that some studies have found between weight and different diseases and made that causation. And I think this is something that I hear talked about a lot is like, you know, referencing the differences between correlation and causation, but it's so important to make sure we're understanding because correlating is that basic example of like ice cream sales increase when people are wearing shorts, but like really ice cream sales and like, but really it's associated more with the weather versus like the wearing shorts, but you can take those two things together and say they increase together. And that's the example of correlation, but it's not necessarily like people wearing shorts isn't the cause of them buying ice cream. So looking at that is, whereas like causation is it's like potentially caused more by the weather being warm and in hot weather, people tend to buy cold things more. And there aren't any studies I'm aware of that directly prove weight as the cause of these different health conditions. There probably is strong evidence for some of them, but like, but we, any sort of environmental thing that we talk about is very difficult to prove because like ethically to do studies that would provide the best research like for it that would actually prove causation, like it's not really ethically able to do that because you would have to follow people for such a long period of time because chronic illnesses often associated with obesity and weight, there are illnesses that develop over a really long period of time, which means there are lots of factors that go into them. Because really, if weight and obesity was the cause of these things, we would see every single person at certain weight points develop those diseases. But that is not what we see. We don't see like every single person, like once you reach a certain weight or a certain BMI, which BMI is a problem in and of itself, is they would all develop that illness. There is no causation in that way. There may be risks, but there is research, and these are some of the studies I'm going to put in, that also show the correlation of frequent weight fluctuations increasing the risk for those exact same illnesses like type 2 diabetes, heart disease problems, blood pressure issues, those risks are increased by frequent weight fluctuations. And in our culture, weight fluctuations increase the risk of like research shows that most people, like two thirds of people, I believe, regain more weight than they had lost originally after a diet. So weight fluctuations in like the yo-yo dieting is very, very prevalent in our culture. So to try to prove between the two, like what the cause is, it's very difficult to do because again, study-wise, in order to isolate people from that would be like, you'd have to isolate people out of the culture. So that way they're not exposed to dieting and all of that. Like it's very, very difficult to do studies on lifestyle things such as this, just because to control the environment, to truly see and truly control all of the confounding variables, it's nearly impossible to actually do in a large population of period, large population of people over a long period of time. So the best we have to go off of is correlation, which 
We have multiple things that we can correlate to for the development of these, whether it's genetics. And that's why there's so many risk factors that are associated with it, whether it's genetics, age, weight, different lifestyle things, all those different factors. We're like, oh, these all put you at risk for developing this, but they don't guarantee you're going to develop it because so many of the cause, the true cause is big because studying it is just difficult. And then here's where I want to wrap it up to with the research part is that there are also studies that show regardless of having any changes in weight, different lifestyle changes. And you may find a lot of similarities in those as to what is talked about in healthy eating. It's just the way that we're going to approach them are going to be different when we are talking about intuitive eating. But it's those behaviors that help us feel good that we focus on in intuitive eating to do for us to take care of ourselves that improve health outcomes. And it's not necessarily the weight associated, regardless of weight, doing things that take care of us that make us feel good can help our physical health and can help to improve those different metrics, whether it's blood pressure or cholesterol, blood sugar, all those different things are improved by eating in a way that makes you feel good, moving your body in a way that makes you feel better even though they don't always feel good in the moment because not all exercises feel good in the moment that you're doing them, but they can have a net gain on how you're feeling overall by how they impact your body and mental health. And if you need time to make changes in how you're viewing weight and letting go of that, here's one place to direct yourself first, is when we have had weight as the goal in the past in making changes in weight, it very much limits your ability to win because you're dependent on this metric that you don't always have control over because it is not just as simple as eat X amount, exercise X amount, and you'll lose weight because our body responds to all those different factors differently based on factors I've already mentioned. Not going to review them again, but there are multiple factors that influence it more than just that whether I said I wasn't going to do it, but we're going to review it again. But like stress, sleep, hormones, Yes, the food we're eating. Yes, exercise. Yes, genetics. Your environment. All those things influence how your body responds and not all those things that we can see and control. But what we can control is learning to see ourselves as valuable and worthy and taking care of ourselves as we would if we view ourselves as being valuable and worthy. Because when we are focused on that and taking care of ourselves, being someone who just focuses exquisitely on their own self-care to truly take care of yourself, then we focus on those things like what makes my body feel good, what physically, mentally, all those things accumulate to help me feel my best. And that doesn't mean we always feel good all the time, but then we focus on the things that we know add to our life. Like what are the things that energize us? What are the things that collectively make us feel better? Even in the times where it doesn't always feel good in the moment because it's always going to exist because as we said at the beginning of this, I truly believe everything's 50-50 where we're not meant to just be happy and feel good all the time because that's not what a human life is like. But when we focus on that priority of taking care of ourselves, you get to win every single day. Like just by being like, okay, what is this? Taking care of myself, doing these different things. I consider that being what I care about the most when we are doing those things and being like, I'm taking care of myself. I'm doing this for me. Like giving ourselves that affection through being nice to ourselves and doing the things that make us feel better. We get to win all the time because it's like, yeah, I did that for myself. Thank you. And then you get to feel better every day. Even on the days that you don't feel very good, even on a bad day. Because instead of basing the win on some variable, like reaching a certain point, 
you're putting the wins in the process. And so you may have heard this before in like goal setting. That's why people tell you to set small wins because that keeps you focused on the process rather than the end goal. Because it can be very, like if you were driving distance that takes multiple days and and it's only a win when you reach the final destination, then like every day that you don't get there, you can focus on like, oh, I'm not there yet. Like this didn't work. Like I didn't get there. I didn't do where, get where I was supposed to go. Or you'd be like, oh, like look at all this distance that I traveled. And then view that progress as the win. Because when we do that, we get to win more often and we don't struggle as much. We're not focusing on the lack as much as we are focusing on the growth that we've had and the things that we're appreciating. And it helps to create a lot more grace for yourself for in those bad days that you already have built in ways to treat yourself with more compassion and kindness. So that way on those bad days, it's not beating yourself up for not being like in tip top performance or condition. I don't even know where I'm going for there, but you're not upset with yourself or not being this like perfect ideal image. It's this grace of what can I do to support myself today? Right. Well, I hope that you found this side of talking about intuitive eating useful in just preparing for the very real moments of this journey and how even in those moments when I'm in them myself, I wouldn't trade them for anything because it's so much more validating and feels good because it's evaluating where personally, like I want to decide this to be. Like, what do I want to make this mean for me? And when I am doing that and when I am settling into that, it will always feel so much better than when I am waiting for somebody else to give me the answer because I know the answers of what's best for me. And that's why it's so much fun when I work with clients to help them figure out that place of like what's best for them and of settling in more to what they want and helping them uncover that instead of being masked by everything that we've heard from everybody, the experts out there and everything that they say. And we focus more on utilizing that information for us to just create what we really want. All right. I hope you enjoy your week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Better Than Healthy podcast. If you want to learn to trust yourself around food so you can stop overeating and feel more comfortable in your body, I want to invite you to join my coaching program. Come visit me at foodpeacenutrition.com to learn more.